hear it would be so proud. Wouldn't he? We were so <laughs> quiet. We're never that quiet for him. <laughs> we're not. We normally make dumb faces or bodily function sounds. Hey, it's the 15th episode of Sweet Tea and D&D. Sweet Tea. Sweet. <laughs> the sweetest of D. We're German now. You're German. Anyway, where we discuss the lore and legends of Dungeons, Dungeons and, and Dragons. Dragons. Um, our producer, Garrett, is not with us today. So he's not dead, but he's just not with us today. Um, so we're running this stuff rogue style. Um, anarchy. <laughs> uh, and... I don't know. Are you gonna? Are you doing the first monster? It is me first. I'm gonna talk you about first the displacer beast. And what are you going to talk about? I'm gonna talk about the corpse flower. Sweet. So the displacer beast can be found on page 81 of the monster manual. So what is a displacer beast? <laughs> <laughs> Worst transition ever. Wasn't it? I feel like I'm giving a lecture. Don't laugh that hard. All right. So a displacer beast. Resembles a sleek, great cat covered in blue-black fur. However, its otherworldly origins are clear when it has six legs and two tentacles. The tentacles are sprouting from its shoulder, uh, both ending in pads of tipped with spiky protrusions. Uh, Displacer Beast's eyes glow with awful malevolence. Malevolence, not malevolence. Uh, malevolence that persists even in death. Yeah, imagine that sucking to your face. It would hurt the whole time. Uh, they have unseelie origins. They were raised by the unseelie court in the Feywild. The warriors of the court selectively bred the beasts to reinforce their ferocious and predatory nature, using them to hunt unicorns, pegasi, and other wondrous prey. However, it did not take long for the spacer beasts to, and their malevolent intelligence to escape their masters. Uh, they began going into the Feywild and just doing what displacer beasts and other beasts do, which was fucking. And so they started <laughs> they started to reproduce and have more displacer babies uh, until they brought got the attention of the Seely Court, who uh, started to hunt them down using blink dogs until they drove them to the ends of the Feywild, where they crossed over into the Material Plane, which is where your players and you live. Uh, to this day, displacer beasts and blink dogs attack each other on sight. Uh, they do love to kill. As as you do. Um, they kill things for fun, not just because they're hungry. So there is that predatory nature of also just messing with things. Uh, they have n- been known to stand near trade routes and memorize those tra- trade routes and then attack things. And if it's night and they've got a large party and they want to get you off a safe space and into the woods, one will attack, draw the others out, and a pack of them will attack the group together. Nice. Successful hunting strategy. They are considered prize guards and pets. They form these relationships with people, uh, particularly only if it appears beneficial to them. If not, they just fuck off. They don't give a shit. So on to the stats. Displacer beasts are large monstrosities that are lawful evil. They have an armor class of 13 that is natural armor. They have an 85 hit points given by the book with a maximum of 130 and a speed of 40 feet. So they're pretty quick. Uh, They have a strength of plus four, a dexterity of plus two, a con of plus three, an intelligence of negative two, and a wisdom of plus one, and a charisma of minus one. They have dark vision up to 60 feet and a passive perception of 11, so they're not great at spotting things. Languages is a dash, meaning they don't speak any. Uh, And their challenges is a three with 700 XP. Their skills include avoidance. Avoidance is similar to evasion. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Avoidance. Avoidance. Ghosting. Uh, so for avoidance, this is similar to like the evasion skill that players can get, which is if you are able to roll a save to take half damage, uh, they will take half damage only if they fail the save. If they succeed, they take no damage. 
and the last thing they get is displacement. Essentially, they create an illusion of themselves within a few feet of them, making it very difficult to determine which one of them you're actually striking, the illusion or the creature itself. This provides disadvantage for those trying to hit the beast. Uh, however, it is th- this trait is disrupted if it is hit while on or while active. Uh, once it's hit, it lasts only for a round, though. So if the last person at the round hits it, it stops. And then the beginning of the next round, when it's its turn on initiative, uh, it gains the ability back. This feat also does not work if the displacer beast is incapacitated or has a speed of zero. They're not very challenging monsters with a CR of three, other than the fact that you're always at disadvantage until somebody actually gets a shot on them. Uh, the Displacer Beast makes two attacks with its tentacles. This is its multi-attack ability. The tentacles have a plus six to hit, a reach of ten feet, uh, and they can hit one target at a time for an average of seven damage, or 1d6 plus four. Bludgeoning damage, plus three, 1d6 piercing damage. What up? But it doesn't have claws or bite, right? It doesn't have claws or bites, but it has six legs and sharp panther-like teeth because it does look very much like a panther. It does. It looks. It looks just like a panther with six a set legs. of middle middle, but middle legs and then tentacle coming from its back. Otherwise, other than that, it looks like a panther. It looks like a, like a long like a long cat panther. Yeah, only longer because they put Extra two more legs, legs in there. It. So, yeah. like, if you took that out, it would look just like a panther. So, I wonder why it doesn't have any type of claw, claw attacks, or right? bite or anything like that. Or I a pounce. The, yeah. Because it's a, it looks like a cat. So, you think it would have... Maybe it trips every time it tries to pounce. Oh. That'd be funny. Um, I figure they would have almost more of a pounce because they have more legs. Yeah. But it's not in there. But if you wanted to up this monster to give it more of a challenge for higher level characters... I would totally add that. Yeah, I would give it slashing damage for the paws. At least two strikes with its paws. Because then it could just use its other two legs to just hold itself upright. Or if it stood on its hind legs, four attacks from the paws. That would hurt That would really so hurt. Much. So that's it for the Displacer Beast. They're Feywild creatures, and they're evil, and they just like to hunt things for fun. Uh, they do, uh, when they do hunt, that is, they like to drag their victims to like a secluded place so they can eat them quietly. Kind of like most big cats. Yeah, they like hiding their stuff. I remember watching like a video, and it's always like sad nature documentary shit where like this panther, I think it was like a jaguar or something, I don't know, cheetah, large cat, imagine, picture a large cat, dragged like an antelope or something into a tree mm-hmm. and just left it there to eat on for a while. And the hyenas could smell its corpse, and they're just like standing under the tree like, can we have some? <laughs> no, yeah. it's mine. Because... Okay, sad fact about cheetahs, like, if their meal gets stolen, they can't just go hunt again. They burn all that energy, mm-hmm. and a lot of them just die because if their meals get stolen. It's so sad. But yeah, that doesn't so happen sad. to a displacer beast. Displacer beast, fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> they don't live by the laws of the land of the no. cheetah. They're fake creatures. They, they don't will give a destroy fuck. you. <laughs> what you got? All right. I From... Brought to you by McAllister's. <laughs> Not really. Please sponsor us. We love your tea. Love it. We have a problem. Um, so, Zachary got a new book, um, new to us, Mordecai's Tome of Foes. And on page 127 of that book, there is a lovely thing called... Did I say where you can find mine? I don't. No. Remember. Oh, if whatever. not, it's uh, it's in the Monster Manual. On page on, 81. There we go. Sorry to interrupt you. Carry on. 
Florida Canaan's uh, Tomaphos, as I've been calling it, Tomaphos for I, a very I, long time. And I adopted that because he just, I was like, you're smart. You know what you're saying. It's then, Tomb of Annihilation. Book of Foes. Tome of Foes. Tome of Let's just call book. it books. Book of Foes. <laughs> book of Foes. And it is a book. Um, on page 127, you'll see the corpse flower. The corpse flower is a large plant. And I, it, for some reason, it's chaotic evil. I didn't know plants could take sides. But there you go. Um, Wasn't it you who was asking me, like, how do you identify a plant? Oh, it's because I interpret biology class. Incapable of moving. Well, it's one of the... Th- okay, so I interpret high school biology uh, for deaf and hard of hearing students. And that was one of the questions. Like, how do you identify a plant to be a plant rather than any other thing? And one of the things is it doesn't move. <laughs> it stays in the ground. <laughs> and this it, son of a bitch. This moves. one, and it's tomfoolery, does not. It's a large plant. It has huge tentacle like roots huge tracks of that land. it shut up that it uses to move around and it puts these tentacles into the ground and will pull up dead bodies to add to to add to its uh like Collection. self it'll put it in its own body um so it has that on the bottom and then the middle it looks just like a bunch of dead bodies and bones and and skeletons in the middle and then on the top, it has these almost hibiscus-looking flowers because they're they're twisted together in the petals, and it doesn't show what it looks like when it's open. That is my deep curiosity. I I would imagine more of a hibiscus-type flower rather than like a rose or something. I don't know. I guess give you wherever you put your characters. If it's in a tropical place or if it's in a wooded place, I mean, use your imagination. Um, the flowers on this one are yellow with red tips. And it's holding a newly dead body in one of its tentacles. It's gross. Damn. Um, in the there's a green box on this page, and it says corpse flowers. Corpse flower ceilings are quite useful for various purposes. Simply kill and bury a necromancer, and you should have a good crop in about a week. Because you know those necromancers are so easy to take out. Yeah. They're <laughs> not throwing corpses at you. You right. can throw plants. <laughs> it's on corpse them. at a field and get a corpse flower Mm, pretty so a corpse flower can sprout atop the grave of an evil necromancer or the remains of powerful undead unless it is uprooted and burned while it is still a seedling the corpse flower grows to enormous size over several weeks then tears itself free of the earth and begins scavenging humanoid corpses from battlefields and graveyards using its fibrous tentacles it stuffs the remains into its body and feeds on carrion to repair itself the plant has a malevolent bent and despises the living is That's, malevolent bent it says the plant has a malevolent bent and despises the living oh gotcha so does it say anything of where the seeds come from or is this like a seed sprouts and then fucks your shit up i do not know how these things pollinate mm. it doesn't really go into that we find that the reproduction of monsters is not really clear in any of the That's what our second podcast is going to be monsters fucking how and why <laughs> and we go into pollination are these asexual plants? Do I need to, like, what? what's going on? I don't understand. Pistols, stamen, ovaries, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, it has horrible odor, both in the book and in real life. Corpse plants are real. You should give it a Google. They're totally worth seeing. But they do stink. Like a corpse. Like a corpse. Um, with or without humanoid corpses nested in its body, a corpse flower exudes a stench of decay that can overwhelm the senses of nearby creatures, causing them to become nauseated. The stench, which serves as a defense mechanism, fades two d four days after the corpse flower dies. It's gonna linger. Oh, 
for about a week. (laughs) All right. Corpse flower, like I said, is a large plant. It's chaotic evil. It has a natural armor class of 12. It has uh, 127 or up to 195 hit points. Its speed is 20, and its climbing speed is also 20 because it has spider climb, which means it can go over difficult surfaces, including upside down on ceilings without needing to make the ability check. So it's like the Spider-Man of plants. Can you imagine this son of a bitch swinging at you in downtown Manhattan? Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Picture that. It doesn't say that it needs anything to survive. Despite being a plant, as long as it has access to corpses, corpses. it's it's not going to starve. So even... I'm carry-on, so it didn't say... It said other carry-on, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have to just eat corpses. Well, I would say because it's a corpse flower and it and everything in it says corpse, it doesn't say anything about anything anything else dead. That'd be the stipulation I'd make on the monster is it has to have a humanoid corpse to feed on. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's terrifying. I, like I, I imagine this thing in a forest, like growing upside down from a tree and you just... And it, ugh, it would like jump on you or something and you would just no. want to die. Yeah. <laughs> and it wants you to die so that it can consume you. Its stats are pretty even, um, minus a couple. It has a strength of 14, a dex of 14, con of 16, intelligence of 7, okay, and then a wisdom of 15 and a charisma of 3. Its condition immunities, it cannot be blinded or deafened. It, it has, it has no eyes and no ears. Um, it has blind sight up to 120 feet and is blind beyond that. A passive perception of 12 and no languages. So if this thing is bent on killing you, you're going to die. Diplomacy is dead. And it's a CR 8. It has some really cool features that it does with all these dead bodies. Um, when first encountered, a corpse flower contains the corpses of 1d6 plus 3 humanoids. It can hold up to 9 dead humanoids. These remains have total cover against attacks and other effects outside the corpse flower. If the corpse flower dies, the corpses within it can be pulled free. While it has at least one humanoid corpse in its body, the corpse flower can use a bonus action to do one of the following. The corpse flower digests one humanoid corpse in its body and instantly regains 11 up to 2d10 hit points. Nothing of the digested body remains. Any equipment on the corpse is expelled from the corpse flower in its space. Or, the corpse flower animates one dead humanoid in its body, turning it into a zombie. The zombie appears in unoccupied space within five feet of the corpse flower and acts immediately after it in the initiative order. The zombie acts as an ally of the corpse flower, but isn't under its control, and the flower's stench clings to it using the stench of death. So it just pops out of it. Can you imagine, like, this dropping a zombie out of it? Like, does it... And it has a bonus action. As a bonus this action? This is a bonus action. It, it can, as it a can bonus heal action, or create a corpse. Heal a or make a zombie. Damn. Like, I see this as a fun, like, encounter. Um, to me, it's like, it, since it specifically mentions that you can pull a corpse out of it when it's dead, it's like, oh, you have to go recover the body of such and such. And it's inside of a and corpse it's flower. In a corpse flower. Can you imagine? Because if, suppose it has nine dead bodies in it, you're looking for one you would end up rolling like a d10 to decide which corpse it ate. Maybe it's going to eat the corpse you're looking for, and that would suck. Yep. <laughs> and you're just going to have to be... Because they do have total cover. I mean, you can't really damage them inside. No. I mean, you it'd take a lot of effort, but yeah. So I, I would, as a DM playing this, if that was the goal and they're looking for a specific body, 
you would have to act fast because it's it, it's turn could come up and it's going to use that body to either become a zombie, which wouldn't be so bad. Then you could have access to the body or to use it to be healed as a bonus action. And then it has its actual actions, but we're going to get to that in just a second. The stench of death that I've talked about, each creature that starts its turn within 10 feet of the corpse flower or one of its zombies must make a DC 14 con saving throw. Unless the creature is a construct or undead. On a failed save, the creature is incapacitated until the end of the turn. Creatures that are immune to poison damage or the poison condition automatically succeed. Um, on a successful save, the creature is immune to the stench of corpse flowers for 24 hours. Then we have its actions. It has uh, the multi-attack. It makes three tentacle attacks. It's a standard attack. Plus five to hit. Reach a ten feet. One target. On a hit, it does nine up to 14 bludgeoning damage. And the target must succeed on a DC 14 con saving throw. Or take 14 up to 24 poison damage. Damn. So the tentacles don't hurt, but that poison damage is going to get you. Mm-hmm. So you could, as a bonus action, heal yourself. Or as a bonus action, bring out a zombie. Then do a multi-attack. Three tentacle attacks you could do. And also, it can poison you in total, right? Like, yeah. with the smell alone, it can poison you. You When you start within the 10 feet of it, it ha- you have to make the con save. And then, when you're hit, every time you're hit until you pass the save, you have to make the save. So you could take 14 up to 24 damage three times in a round. Don't forget, the zombies have it too. And then the zombie so it could has spread it. the zombies out for a ten foot additional radius just from it alone. So in one turn, you could have this thing. So you start your initiative. Everyone has to make the con save within ten feet of it. If you fail, you automatically take the poison damage. Then we start initiative, and as soon as it comes to this thing's turn, it can either heal itself if it's done any damage, or drop a zombie, which pops into the initiative order right after it. Mm-hmm. So you'd have. The tentacle attack, which if it hits three times, that's 27 damage. Then you have to make the con save and take 14 damage each time if you don't make the save. So that's a lot. I don't know what 14 times three is. That's a lot. (laughs) I can't do basic math. Math. 14 plus 14 plus 28 is 42. 42, yeah. 42. So 42 plus 27. <laughs> I wish you could see my face. I was like, uh. <laughs> I it's 75. Is it? 14 plus 27? 42 plus 27? No. We're bad at math. I'm bad at math. You're good at like hard math, but. I'm sleepy. Okay. It's a lot. <laughs> you could do almost 100 you could points take worth out of damage. Mid level character in a round with that. So, like a fifth level. So, this is a lot. This, if you play this right, and then, as we said, you have the zombies. So then it's a zombie. So you have to make the same con save or take the same poison damage and then take the damage from the zombie and then hope that the zombie dies when you hit it mm-hmm. because they don't always do that. Nope. See episode like, what is it, eight or nine for that? Look at the one labeled zombies. We're shit at episode number. Okay, so it has one last thing it can do and it's called Harvest the Dead. This is one of its actions it can take. The corpse flower grabs one unsecured dead humanoid within 10 feet of it and stuffs the corpse into itself. Just opens up. It slides it right just, in. Um, but it any, has to have space though, right? It can only hold up to nine. Okay. So it would either have to use one for healing or use one as a zombie to bring in another one. 
um, along with any equipment the corpse is wearing or carrying, the remains can be used with, with the corpse's trait. So those bonus actions that we talked about before. And that's the corpse flower. It's Jeez. amazing looking. I can't I get really over it. I really want to use this. I do too. I also want to see someone draw it open. Because um, because I imagine it'd be gorgeous. Because you have to, you would have to think, because these are huge. This is a large creature. So these flowers are probably enormous. Mm-hmm. And I said, just in case someone really needs a visual and you, I don't know, don't have the internet. If you ever played uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, they remind me of the flowers that grow up in the middle of Hyrule Field. Or if you go to them, they take flight and <laughs> try and, you know, murder you with their blady roots. Kind of like that. It reminds me of that. Um, but that's all for that one. Drawings. Did you draw me something? I did draw you something, and it's artsy. So we're actually switching to digital drawings today. Digital drawings. Just trying to check it out. It's the 15th episode. We're upgrading. And uh, so I drew Jamie's corpse flower, and I believe I nailed it. I didn't. It's, it's Hashtag nailed it. Right. So Yours has beautiful color, though. I didn't feel confident coloring my, coloring mine because it was all black, and I thought Blue it black. Would, I thought it would take away from what it looks the like. The sleek style of it. So all of your skulls look like intellect flowers. Like I can't have, draw skulls. I'm like really they have bad little at tentacles skulls. coming from their face. Yeah, th- that was supposed to be like a jaw, but it was just a I square know. with <laughs> teeth. <laughs> it looks good though, and. And I think this, I added too many corpses. This corpse flower is living and sustaining itself off of Zach's hopes and dreams. It is. I put a tombstone <laughs> in it. Label hopes and dreams. Little hopes and dreams. But it's, it is pretty accurate. It does. It looks like it. Good Thank job. You. Thank you. Do you have any other? I, I don't know. Like clap, 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 clap. The way it holds itself up is kind of weird to me. I don't. I feel like it does more of like a tentacle crawl, like an octopus, rather than like a Howl's Moving Castle type thing that you have here. <laughs> it just it looked tall. Like I thought you described it as kind of standing off the ground. It's, it's got to like shove a tentacle. It's large, ground. and if I mean, if you look at the picture in the book, it's off the ground. So I'm wondering. I guess those are like very rigid plant vine things. Those tentacles look enormous. No. They look. As big or bigger than the body it's holding. Yeah, so. they're probably about three quarters of the width of the body it's pulling out. The, at least at the trunk. That is so terrifying. Imagine I, it's, it's sitting, though, and then you're just like, oh, what pretty flowers. And then it grabs you. Well, it doesn't say. Because, you know, some of them will say that if it's not moving, it looks just like yeah. something. But, I mean, uh, looking at that, though, it's a flower filled with corpses. That'd be like dead it's, giveaway. Something ain't it's right It's also here. huge. There would be like a giant pimple on the yeah. on the landscape of these flowers and the good thing is is that this is a plant so it doesn't have any way to like charm you or force you to come to it there's nothing to do with it's the smell it secretes like that attracts you um so that's really cool something i might add to it because i think that'd be a fun way to kind of get them pulled in is they have to make some sort of save to not be pulled in by the smell because yeah it stinks but it's it's that everyone does it you know what's that smell <laughs> popcorn <laughs> just kidding it was a fart <laughs> <laughs> jk is a bunch of dead bodies yeah so there is some like sweet aspect to corpses yeah. rotting and i don't like talking about that but it's it's, kind it's of true pretty. it's it does have a sweet odor to it Decay. i think a good <laughs> sign of it being near would be like a bunch of flies and other creatures yeah. that eat it are kind of flying and, around and it shit yeah. flying around yeah 
It's interesting. And how do you... F- let me look at your display service. Look at my beautiful kitty cat. <laughs> it's a kitty cat. Cat. I'm Maybe a kitty cat. Maybe if I can open it. There we go. Ah, yes. So we had to re-record this episode because I'm bad with the internet. Or it was not your fault. It was not our fault. Our microphones were garbage. We, we don't have Carrot here to help us. <laughs> Carrot, so, we uh, missed you. Please fix our problems. So uh, I gave... Uh, Jamie some shit about this because she wrote Monster Manuel again instead of Monster Manual. So I'm bringing oh, it back up. <laughs> So uh, she drew the Displacer Beast and it is, it's actually, it's a very cartoony version, but it's very accurate with the exception of like, the only thing different would be like moving the shoulder blade. It's closer to the shoulder blades. But I wanted to point out that it has like three different kinds of feet. It does. Like it has like cat paw and then human foot and then a dead snake that looks like it was just <laughs> stapled to the side. And the tentacles look like It's dead an amputee. <laughs> it probably would walk better without that dead leg in the bag, but it's got two others to kind of help it out. So it does have a nice broken looking tail, but the tentacles are spot on. And the best part, I think, is the eyes. Because they're very red. You added extra color. That is the only color you added was yep. red eyes. Because and it was supposed to be albino, but then he also told me I misspelled that. She too. put albino. <laughs> Take albino. No, it was albino gas. <laughs> I put albino. And sorry. I just it, it's I did my best. It's the displacer beast. So you can find these drawings on our social media, which we'll get to at the end of the episode, because we're going to talk about DM tips and conversations about when is the right time to kill a player. The best to time to go. kill a character is all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It is a great time to murder. Murdering. Murder. That's probably one of the most satisfying things about being a DM is is when appropriately yes. you exercise some power and they don't make a save. They're too stubborn. They're murder hobo. They're doing something that puts them in harm's way. That just happens to have someone like die. Like a good, well-placed trap. If somebody misses spotting a trap, if the rogue oh. misses a trap, and it is a doozy of one. Because I remember, I can't remember what, what it was in, but essentially, I want to say it was like an NPC in Critical Role went forward looking for something, and like the walls or the floor just essentially like pancaked them. <laughs> Yep. I, where was that? I don't remember, but I remember what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and it was like instant death, death by massive damage right there, gone. And I was like, oh shit, that's a way to go. And I've seen some pretty fucked up traps. Like one of my favorite ones is like this old simple, like a general uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons or something. It was like a really old book, but it was a drawing of a hand glass. The um, Like a pirate always carries one of these or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what it did was you had the character would look through it, see that it was blurry on the image, and as they adjusted it into focus, a spike came out of the lens and stabbed him in the oh, face. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like a yeah. trapped item. Yeah. It's a trapped item, and I love that. And I was like, oh, they would be so pissed if I did that. Or it could be blinding. That'd be nice. Blinding in one eye or something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. That'd be a fun thing until unless you could restore it, a restoration it away. But the question in is really... When is it okay to let a character go, and when is it not? For example, Adventures League, it's kind of difficult to keep a character alive, particularly if you're on Tier 1, which is just level 1 to 4. Uh, if I recall correctly, at level 1, you can be resurrected for free, mm-hmm. as long as you take them back to, say, some faction or temple yeah. in the city. 
Uh, if it comes to anything higher than that, they'll charge you for it. And I think it's over a thousand gold. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. But the good thing about Adventures League is, well, one, usually I feel in Adventures League, you don't get that attached to your character unless you really go through all the levels. Unfortunately, when we played Adventures League, we only had tier one. So we were only that character for four or five levels. levels. So you weren't really able. And then because there's no, there's not a lot of role play and adventures like you you don't put as much into those characters. Yeah, it's very common to just pop in and out. Yeah. We did have some people try to role play. They also brought in level 11 characters and were like, "Oh, well you can't play that. It's Adventures League. We're all level 4 and <laughs> you have to start at level 1, so have fun with that." But a lot of it comes to like, "Okay, well if you're say level 5 party, that's when you get the spell Revivify. That's a third level spell, mm-hmm. which requires a 300 gold piece value of worth of diamond." And uh, it's expensive, especially for a party that doesn't have a lot of money. So it's very difficult to do that in Adventures League. It's expensive to pay for it outside. But with that spell in mind, you get one minute. Outside of that, you can't do it. So I think it's a challenge, and this is something you can bring up to your players, or as a player, keep this in mind. If you're in the middle of a dungeon, it's hard to carry a corpse around. Yeah. And you Um, can't put it into any kind of... um bag of holding or anything like that they don't get to go in there they can't really fit yeah they don't when they don't fit they Maybe don't like a gnome they don't meet the size requirements unless yeah. you are a, a, small, a small creature, creature yeah. um and then you do only have a minute you have a minute for revivify the next spell is resurrection then true resurrection mm-hmm. there is reincarnate that's a druid level spell because they don't get straight up like and that spell is tricky it is because you, I think you need like a part of their body and you mm-hmm. can regenerate them, but they don't always come back the same race yeah. and their stats change when you do that. So, I mean, Hey, yeah. you're still alive though. It's still the character, but then they're in a whole different body, which could be fun to role play if you're into that. But if you get really attached to character, I can see how it'd be really hard. Yeah. I've only had the experience of a, one of my players dying once and or a few I, times, but I still got to live. think they were third level and they were a new player and just kind of making a bunch of mistakes. I was trying, and I, I remember telling them, like, you have to be more careful. Things are really starting to get into it. They were going through a temple uh, to Tiamat and facing challenges of each of the chromatic dragons. So there was, like, a fire thing. There was ice. There's poison. There's all all the five. And this player kept dying, and I didn't want to kill them because they were so new. But finally got to the point that they died once. I had them come back. They died again. I let them become a zombie. They died again. And I was like, I can't and save you. Your whole, pushed in a lava your whole body is destroyed from this lava. I can't save you. Because I think it's like 18D10 or something if you fall on lava. It Granted, was, that wasn't normal lava. It was not. But this person could not make the deck save to get out of this lava to save their lives. So they died. And it was a bummer. But... The player understood I had given them many chances, so it, was, it wasn't it was that bad of a thing. On the opposite end, I've only had two characters die. I had um, a paladin whose name escapes me because I didn't have it that long. And then... Like three sessions <laughs> of that long. And then uh, Zell, my trickster cleric. She died in the... Um, we played online. Oh, you died in uh, the Barovia story. So that yeah, was... Yeah, Rave, uh, 
I was going to say Ravenloft. I was going to say Ravenloft. Your character died in that because we couldn't save you. You were offered like return, but it was a creepy voice and we couldn't tell what it was. And yeah. And he was like, oh, you can come back, but you're going to be different. And I was like, nah, pass. pass. I'll just, my, my, my character would not have done that. Yeah. Um, I killed one of your characters. Did you? When? I rage quit a game because somebody was cheating and they weren't listening to me. So they Oh were, yeah. yeah. They were on a demi plane. I've probably talked about this before. I don't remember which episode. And I just sent everyone off in a blaze of glory. If I recall correctly, I blasted your ass to one of the four elemental planes. Yep. I think you were in the air one. I was plane, in the air one. And I had you fly around and I essentially just fell to death. To death. To death. And that point, no one was coming back because I was a bitter asshole. And I've grown since then. I'm probably about like a quarter of an inch taller. Um, <laughs> so the story I wanted to bring up was, one, yeah, letting a character go hurts. Especially if you invested a lot of time writing its backstory. You've put in a lot of effort into it. You've characterized it. You've given it special skills and stats. And that was loud. And all sorts of things to it. So I wanted to address... The idea that one spells require that the soul be willing. So if that player decides no, like Jamie said, she was offered a way to come back. She said no. Her soul does not come back. As a DM, I would not force that unless it's part of a plot in general. Also, you could do it where they're not willing to come back. Say they made a deal with a higher power or they pissed off some higher powers. They're going to retain their soul until something else is done. So I think that'd be a fun opportunity as players and it is a DM story of, oh, well, you want your friend back? You have to go fight this big evil to do it because they've claimed their soul. Um, lastly, there's this post by Creative Rogues, and I believe it's from Tumblr, and it's about the lethality of D&D. And I like this story because it started out where players are going to die. All the time. Characters are going to die. However, it's very common for them to be resurrected. But in the case that it's not possible, so say they die, you're too low level to find the spell, you can't afford the spell, it's past the time for revivify, you can't drag their corpse out of a dungeon, then it's like, okay, well, we bury them. It happened with Molly Mock. Like, they weren't capable of bringing him back in Critical Role, so he remained a corpse. So... With that in mind, I think it would be an interesting story arc of, okay, well, you know true resurrection now. And in this story, it was a high-level cleric who was best friends with that play, that player and that character. It was like, wow, I, the group dynamic really changed. That person's dead. There's a somber moment. It's sad. So when they hit level 17 or 18 or whatever, when they learned true resurrection, they went back to the gravesite and revived their friend at the end of the campaign. So they got to bring that person back they're like, what happened? And I think the story ended like, we won. And there's a whole story of telling that. Beautiful cinematic ending. It's a great ending. And so I think if you can use a death to make a story mm-hmm. instead of just using death as an excuse to play, kill a character, sometimes you got to smite. I don't. It You have to be very careful as a DM because I know when my first character died and because it felt so senseless at the time, it really hurt my desire to play because my thought was, because as, especially as a new player, you tend to put a lot more into your builds. You put mm-hmm. part of yourself. You reflect something of your character in your... Yourself. Or your, your player, character. of yourself into your character. And to have it taken away, it really kind of sucks, especially when you're so new and when you are such a low level and there's nothing you can really do about it because it takes so much to come back. Because we were less than four when you were killed. It, it was... It's hard. So as a DM, you have to really show discretion on when you're going to smite. You don't want it to just be, I'm pissed off or 
or anything like that. You really want to make sure that you're giving enough grace and enough patience to new players so that they keep wanting to play, but also reminding them that this is a game where your actions have consequences, and sometimes the consequence is death. Just remember, there's a risk to being an adventurer. Absolutely. And you have to keep that in mind as a player and as a DM. Sometimes people are going to die. Got to break a few eggs. <laughs> <laughs> as a crossbow bolt smashes through a small child's head. On oh, we killed so many people. Um, but yeah. So with that, you can find us as well as our Dungeon Doodles on our Instagram under Sweet Tea and D&D. And I said it right that time. Yeah, you, uh, you can also find us on Twitter. We like to post stupid photos there or funny photos there. Uh, we'll also be posting stuff when we release episodes as announcements. Uh, we are approaching about 700 downloads uh, because our service changed and they didn't count all of our other ones. So not bitter, just sad. Uh, <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Sweet Tea and D&D. Yeah. And as always, you can catch us on your podcatcher of choice. I don't know why you need to be told this. You're probably listening to the episode. But if not, <laughs> you can find it on Simplecast, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, CastBox. What? Spotify. Spotify. That one. Um with that in mind, if there is an available option to review us, please do so. You don't have to give us five stars. We want your honest opinion. Just let us know we're funny or at least informative. I'll um, take informative. On the podcasts, make sure that you separate Sweet Tea and D&D or else it will not come up. Yeah, we're, we're spaced. Yeah, out. so make sure it's all separate words. Also, a shout out uh, to one of our very longtime fans, uh, Yi Ming Chu. I see you on Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. You've been here since the beginning and just interacting with us. And I appreciate it so much. And everyone in Singapore who listens um, to all of our listeners, we love you guys. Thank you so much for reaching out to us, talking to us on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Please keep it up. We love hearing from you. Um, and Garrett's not here to make us say goodbye. So well, goodbye. one last thing. One last thing. No! One last thing. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Tell us your most memorable character death. Tweet it to us or Instagram. It. I feel like we've already told him to do that. Do it, again. do it this time. Do it Nobody again. did it. So do it this time. <laughs> We're gonna say it until you do it. We're not bitter. <laughs> With that, Garrett's not here to tell us bye, so bye. bye. <laughs>